You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups. Winner takes all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Happy Victory Friday to you. The Buffalo Bills defeated the New Orleans Saints 31-6 to and improved to 4-2 and on the season. And what a fun win it was. And there's just something really cool about seeing our guys eating turkey legs after the game celebrating a Bills win. Now, you guys know I don't love mixing Thanksgiving with Buffalo Bills football, but the wins are very satisfying, and we've gotten a chance to enjoy two of those in the past three years. And so... If you're going to make me watch Bills football on Thanksgiving and complicate the entire holiday routine, at least give me a Bills win. And so far, they've delivered that each of the last two times we've had the privilege of watching the Bills on Thanksgiving. So let's talk about things I liked. We'll get to things I didn't like. And then the last segment, I'll talk about the prediction I made. We'll talk about the AFC East, some notable things. Uh, surrounding the Bills when it comes to rooting interest for this weekend in football, and then a little preview for what's ahead here on this podcast. So let's get rolling with the things I liked from this football game, and I want to start with Sean McDermott putting some players on notice. There were some notable, healthy, inactive players for this game, and I think the Bills took advantage of this opportunity to, like I said, put some players on notice. But the fact that they were healthy entering the game really opened the door for them to be pretty choosy with what they wanted to accomplish in terms of active players and sending messages to underperforming players. And so, for starters, how about seeing Vernon Butler among the inactive players for Thursday night? He was a healthy scratch. And to really send a message... Two practice squad players were called up and activated in the game and played in the game over Vernon Butler. That's a pretty loud message, especially when you're without Star Latulale. You don't have Justin Zimmer. They said, give us Ed Oliver, give us Harrison Phillips, and we'll call these two guys up off the practice squad before we give you a chance to play on Thursday night. And I think that was a very necessary message to send because Vernon Butler has been a disappointment since he's entered the NFL. And he hasn't lived up to this contract that the Bills signed him to. I was disappointed that he was brought back this year. And he's a pretty expensive player to give the underwhelming contributions that he has to this football team. And so I love that they didn't stay committed to that course because it wasn't a good one. And at a minimum... They put him on notice. Zach Moss, healthy scratch. He's been ineffective. He's been ineffective. I know he's good in pass protection, but his fundamentals dip 
in the passing game in terms of catching the football, and he's not been effective running the ball. Matt Breida continues to gain opportunity because when he touches the football compared to Zach Moss, better things happen. And so Zach Moss, among the healthy, inactive players for Thursday night. How about Isaiah McKenzie? Ball security issues continue to be a problem for him. They activate Marquez Stevenson off of injured reserve, and he got an opportunity to play in the game. NFL debut, Thursday night football, Thanksgiving, national spotlight. Here you go, bud. You got to be the return guy. And I thought for the most part, he did a good job. Obviously, the muff stands out as a big-time negative. But when he did have the football in his hands as a punt returner, I thought he did a good job making decisions with the ball and trying to get yards. You know, I think that muffing the football in your debut is not great, especially considering you didn't serve as a punt returner in college. And so that's a very new thing for him. So... Fortunately, he was able to pick up the football, no harm, no foul, but I got to have clean ball handling. The other thing that stood out to me about Marquez Stevenson was I would say that he showed a lot of maturity as a kick returner. I mean, there were some opportunities where he could have tried to advance the football out of the end zone, but he didn't force it. He was content with the touchback and A touchback's not too bad, right? Like you get the ball at the 25-yard line. That's a good thing. Marcus Stevenson, you could think about it and say, well, it's his NFL debut. You can convince yourself that he's going to want to make a splash and maybe try to do too much, and he didn't do that, at least as a kick returner. So I loved seeing that maturity as a kick returner. So I wanted to start things I liked with Sean McDermott putting those players on notice because I thought it was warranted. Now let's move on to some more specifics about what we saw happen in the game and players that were active, and I got to start with Josh Allen. I was really satisfied with Josh Allen and his performance on Thursday night. 23 of 28, 260 yards, four touchdowns, did have the two interceptions. We'll talk about those in a minute. 115.2 passer rating, completed like 82% of his passes. Love the efficiency. I thought he picked his spots really well. I don't think he chased big plays. I was really satisfied with his approach and how he executed. He was effective as a thrower. He was effective as a runner. His poise was really on point all night long. And I think given the spot that this team was in and how they looked against Indianapolis and how they looked three weeks ago against Jacksonville, To see him play the game he did under those circumstances is exactly what I wanted to see from Josh Allen. How about that guy? Number 88, Dawson Knox. Three catches, two touchdowns. Right now, Dawson Knox leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns among tight ends. And that's including two games that he missed. And that first game that he was back, you can tell that there was some rust. I think he only had one catch in that game. Dawson Knox impacts this offense in a notable way. I think when you are able to get winning efforts by your receivers, Beasley, Diggs, Sanders, Davis, having that tight end as just another layer to your offense matters. And you saw Dawson Knox catch the football consistently, 
and also make plays with the ball in his hands. So it's not just a matter of him being this big dude that can win in contested situations and come down with the football. You can throw it to him short of the end zone or short of the line to gain and trust that he's going to compete and make things happen after the catch. So Dawson Knox's breakout year continues in a big way. How about Stephon Diggs? Wide receiver one was wide receiver one. Seven catches, 74 yards, a touchdown. The route running was tremendous. I mean, the touchdown, how about that? Put Marshawn Lattimore in a blender. Put him right in a blender. Made him a pretzel. Got open, good catch and throw. Touchdown, great play. I was really appreciative of Stephon Diggs' effort in terms of post-catch, yards after catch. Thought he found some production after the catch. Competed well in that area as well. How about Gabriel Davis? Two catches, both went for at least 20 yards. And I love that component of Gabriel Davis. When you can kind of give him those opportunities to make a play down the field or leak him out and allow him to catch and run, he continues to make big plays. I don't think he's a guy that demands a high volume of targets, but there are ways to include him in this offense to get the most out of his skill set and allow him to be a net positive to your team. And I think over the last several weeks, the Bills have really figured out the best ways to get Gabriel Davis going. And oh, by the way, he's a great blocker. And I think that's something that stands out about his game overall. It's the big plays. It's the blocking. I was really happy with Cole Beasley in this game. Five catches on five targets, 46 yards, made some tough grabs. He looked healthier. Now, I still think he's battling through those ribs, but he looked a lot healthier in this one. Really satisfied with this running back tandem of Matt Breida and Devin Singletary. They combined for a pretty modest game overall, 27 combined touches, 103 yards, one touchdown, uh, of course, the Matt Breida touchdown catch. Um, so you don't look at this and say, wow, the per-touch production was amazing, but I-, I thought when we talk about the the desire, the premise of having an effective run game, I thought that's exactly what they delivered. To me, it's pretty clear that this is the Bills' best running back tandem. You guys know I've always been Singletary over Moss, and now I'm definitely Brita over Moss. Now, I mentioned that the per-touch average is not that great. They had some negative runs. Some of those perimeter runs didn't work, and there were some notable losses of yardages, and um, even Singletary got stuffed a couple of times. So that hurt the yards per touch, but overall I thought they were effective in filled the role they needed to for this offense to have a chance. I was really satisfied with the offense overall. I mean, a Thursday game on the road, that's always tough for the offense. Found a way to score 31 points, 9 of 14 on third and fourth downs, and pass protection as a whole was pretty reasonable. There was definitely a few blunders, but all things considered, I thought pass protection was reasonable. And so offensively, I really liked the game plan, some of the adjustments we saw, continuing to roll with Matt Breida, getting Gabriel Davis involved at the right times, a continued effort to feature Stephon Diggs in the passing game. 
Dawson Knox is making plays, and I thought Josh Allen orchestrated and managed the football game really well. So good offensive day overall. I mean, especially when you consider this Saints defense is pretty good. I know they're really banged up on offense, but defensively they've got horses all over that defense. So I was really satisfied to see the Bills' offensive effort overall. Now in terms of the defense, I thought it was a great defensive response. Now, of course, this comes with the caveat that they were missing so much of that offense. I mean, three-fifths of their offensive line was out. Their starting quarterback, their starting tight end, their number one receiver, their top two running backs. I mean, we certainly need to be mindful of what the Bills dominated in terms of defense versus offense, the Bills' defense versus the Saints' offense. But nonetheless, they played great particularly stopping the run. Limited the Saints to 44 yards on 25 rushes. That's 1.8 yards per carry. Again, that's not the Colts offensive line. That's not Jonathan Taylor. But that's a good job of bouncing back and handling your business. And, you know, it's not like they played okay. It's not like the Saints averaged three and a half yards per carry or two and a half yards per carry. They held them under two yards per carry on 25 rushes. That's notable. Limited them to six total points. They were scoreless through the first three quarters of the game. Only 190 total yards, 12 first downs, 3.3 yards per play. Six of 17 on third and fourth downs combined. A really good defensive effort by the Buffalo Bills and some of the players that stood out to me. I think you have to start with Ed Oliver. He was disruptive all game long. He was in the backfield. You saw him penetrate, beat blocks, had a half a sack, a pass breakup, two quarterback hurries, and he allowed some of of his teammates to make plays as well because he was able to blow things up and they were able to make a tackle. So Ed Oliver played really well. Matt Milano, what a stud. Tied for the team lead in tackles with eight. Had a tackle for loss. I mean, he was flying around the field playing fast and physical. How about Tremaine Edmonds? This guy's a stud. Impacts the game in so many ways. His length, how he moves in coverage, what he takes away in coverage. Playing downhill, making plays outside the numbers. Young man's coming into his own. He's a leader. You could tell he just kind of stabilizes the unit. Another great game for Tremaine Edmonds and... You could tell he was missed over the last few games. How about Mario Addison? Had a sack, two tackles for loss, a quarterback hit. And what I love about Mario Addison is how he's embraced this role. You know, Addison showed some signs of decline last year, but first stretch there, he was a really highly productive defensive end of the NFL. And he embraced a leadership role. He embraced a reduced playing time role. And he came out and said, like, hey, I don't have to play 50, 50 or 60% of the snaps every game. That's, that's not where I'm at. He's completely satisfied in a reduced role. And because of that, the Bills are getting the most out of what he has left to offer. And you're seeing that show up in, you know, condensed looks and, and kind of spurts. But that's fine. You're getting 20, 30 snaps a game out of Mario Addison. You're not getting 60 or 70. And he's embraced his role. 
and he's been a major beneficiary of this defensive end rotation. I liked what I saw from F.A. Obata. He was active all game long, had a half a sack. How about Jordan Poyer? This guy better be a pro bowler and an all-pro this year. Had an interception, pass breakup, continues to make impact plays. So it's time for him to get some recognition for being the elite safety that he is. Let's talk a little special teams. How about Tyler Bass? Made his only field goal attempt in all four of his extra points. And I love the work that he did as a kickoff guy. And the kickoff team in general was terrific. The returner for the Saints, Deontay Harris, is a really good one. And the Bills dared him all game long with directional kicks and trusting their coverage to get down the field and make plays. And they returned four kickoffs. And we know that a touchback means the 25-yard line. They were tackled at the 14, 17, 21, and 14. That's a great job by Tyler Bass in terms of hitting good directional kicks and a great job by the Bills kick team to get down the field and and make those plays and put the Saints behind a little bit because the Saints were one of the best teams in the NFL in terms of average starting field position. And the Bills dared them to establish field position on them and they couldn't. How about Matt Hawk? Another good game. I thought he was the like lone bright spot for the Bills against the Colts and his only punt, right? It was a good punt. And then I thought all of his punts were good in this game and obviously the exceptional holding job that he does for Tyler Bass. I don't think we can overlook that the Bills, at least for this game, reduced their penalties a lot. Only four penalties for 35 yards. And I don't think any of them were pre or post snap. And that's just me trying to remember the best I can. But I don't think any of them were pre or post snap, which is gr- which is a great thing. And I also like that the Bills have 11 days off before their next game, which is a big one, Monday Night Football at home against the New England Patriots. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy sports are a long-term Losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house and head to head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one on one. This never before seen innovation of fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players. Clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for. And Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero, head to head, is what daily fantasy sports should be one on one. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% match. 
StatHero.com slash LockedOn, promo code LockedOn, terms and conditions apply. All right, let's talk about a few things that I didn't like from this game, and there's only one place to start with this. It's Trey White and his injury. We don't know what it is as of the recording of this podcast, but it was a non-contact knee injury, and he was ruled out for the game. I don't think you can do anything but speculate that it's an ACL tear. I'm hoping for something else, but mentally I'm preparing to find out that Trey White is out for the season, and that is not good. Outside of Josh Allen, he might be the one player that you would least want to have a season-ending injury to. Think about that difference in replacement. Trey White to Dane Jackson. (laughs) That's concerning. That's very concerning to me. Maybe Cam Lewis gets an opportunity to start opposite of Levi Wallace. But overall, this is going to change the way the Bills play defense. They were doing a lot of man coverage on third downs. They allow their spacing to be different because they have a lot of trust in Trey White. There's no understating how big of a loss this could be. And it makes things a lot harder the rest of the way. The pass rush, (laughs) the pass rush really has to be dominant. It's going to be very important if Trey White is gone for the year for this Bills defensive line to make a big-time impact every single week. So let's hope for the best. I'm expecting the worst. And this is potentially a huge loss for the Buffalo Bills. Everybody knows it. There's no way to diminish it. There's no silver lining. Trey White being gone for the year would really hurt this football team. Trey White not the only player injured on – Thursday night that didn't finish the game. Fullback Reggie Gilliam, he was ruled out with an ankle injury and didn't finish the game. And we've seen the Bills run a lot more two-back sets this year. And so that will have an impact on some of the personnel groupings and obviously special teams where Reggie Gilliam plays a lot as well. So two costly injuries on Thursday night, obviously none bigger than Trey White. Let's talk about Josh Allen and two interceptions in this game. So two interceptions against the Saints on Thursday, seven in the last four games, and Josh Allen has thrown at least two interceptions in three of the last four games. Not ideal, right? Needs to be cleaned up. I'm honestly not overly panicky about this. Now let's laser in on the two interceptions that he threw against the New Orleans Saints. The first one, Diggs and Allen, they just weren't on the same page. I think Allen was expecting Diggs to stop and kind of come back to the football. Diggs broke out towards the sideline. They weren't on the same page. Bradley Roby made a play on the ball and picked it off. I'm pretty okay with that. That stuff happens. It's not like Josh Allen forced the ball into double coverage or tried to play hero ball or anything like that. It was just an honest miscommunication. The second interception in the red zone – and that's notable because that's the first time Josh Allen has thrown an interception in the red zone in his career. 
he held onto the ball a bit long, his arm was hit, and he threw a pick. I could probably argue that despite Josh Allen's arm being hit, that interception was more on Josh Allen than his first one. Had an opportunity to potentially hit Emmanuel Sanders, kept working the progression, held onto the ball, arm gets hit, ball's picked off. So it's something that we need to acknowledge. Josh Allen's thrown a lot of interceptions over the last four games. Something that needs to be cleaned up. But I I don't find myself overly panicky about this. I just am not. Now let's hope that Josh Allen proves me right and takes care of the football in the coming games. And it's against good defenses, right? Like in terms of forcing turnovers, they've got the Patriots and the Panthers, right? Those are two good defenses. So we'll find out. Did not like the sequence in the red zone that led to the interception. Really sloppy stuff here. The play before the interception was a touchdown pass to Dawson Knox, but it was a screenplay. It was really a screenplay. Now, obviously, it was called back due to an illegal man down the field, and the Bills had like three offensive linemen down the field. That's because it was a screenplay, and it was perfectly set up. And I'm fairly certain... What went wrong is that Matt Breida went to the wrong side. He was supposed to go left. He went right. And so Josh Allen is trying to throw this screen pass, and Matt Breida is not there to catch the football. Josh Allen had to improvise. He winds up throwing a touchdown to Dawson Knox, called back because there were illegal players down the field. And if I'm not mistaken, Matt Breida, after that play, didn't get back on the field until like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I don't know if that was intentional or if the Bills just wanted to play Devin Singletary in the third quarter or what the thought process was there, but there was an extended period of time where Matt Breida didn't see the field following that play, which further affirms that it was his fault and he went to the wrong side. So, you should have had a touchdown pass on a screen play, but because Matt Breida goes to the wrong side, the Bills have to run another play, and on that other play that they have to run, it's an interception. We don't ever see that interception if Matt Breida goes to the right side of the field. And so that's just an overall sloppy sequence of offense, and the Bills squandered their opportunity to double dip, meaning points before the half, get the ball first and score again. So I didn't like that, obviously. And, you know, the Bills had four trips to the red zone in this game, only two touchdowns. The other thing I want to note that I didn't like from this football game is that the Saints on defense forced eight tackles for loss and two sacks, which is 10 negative plays. And so while I am mostly satisfied with the Bills offense, and I think for the most part they did a good job of converting first downs when they were behind the sticks, you still don't want to see eight tackles for loss and two sacks to amount to 10 negative plays against your offense. It's the most wonderful time of year, Black Friday. Built is going all out to make this Black Friday weekend the most delicious Black Friday that ever was in the history of Black Fridays. New limited time flavors, new types of bars, and a winter wonderland of a deal. You want high-end deliciousness at a discount? All through Black Friday weekend, 
Get at least 20% off anything and everything at Built.com with our promo code LOCKED20. They've got some new flavors, the Ruby Chocolate Puffs. It's marshmallowy goodness covered in a unique chocolate, Ruby Chocolate, which is a chocolate that has a berry flavor to it. It's not dark chocolate. It's not white chocolate. It's not milk chocolate. It's Ruby Chocolate. It's unique and delicious. They've got the new lemon-dipped cheesecake puffs. So if you love lemon cheesecake, which everybody does, right? You could try that. It's a tangy taste of lemon, sweet cheesecake, and a marshmallowy puff. They have the new bar-built Crave Bar, and that is a new product. It's uh, it's designed to rival that other candy bar that claims to satisfy. So check that out as well. Only 160 calories with 17 grams of protein. So show me a candy bar that even comes close to that. So no need to fight angry crowds, no camping out for hours. Your best Black Friday deals are at Built.com. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. 20% off Built Bars and two free Crave Bars all at Built.com. Plus, you can get 60% off Built Broth and Built Boost and 40% off Built Swag. So head over to Built.com, use Locked20, try the new bar-built Crave Bar, the lemon-dipped cheesecake puffs, all the amazing things are happening over at Built.com for Black Friday weekend. Folks, you guys know about BetOnline.ag. It's the best place. It's the number one place to place your bets on any sporting event. They have college hoops. They have pro hoops, NHL, NFL, college football, UFC, boxing, even your favorite Vegas casino games all on a new and updated website that you can check out on your computer or mobile device. And if you do, when you sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on. So check them out. Bet online is where the game starts and it is the number one spot to place your bets on sports. All right. So Let's talk about what's next for the podcast, what uh, we should be rooting for this weekend, what's next for the Bills, and of course, the one prediction I made. Since it was Thursday night football, it's it's kind of tough to predict things. Um, funky stuff happens on Thursday games, short weeks, it's always strange. So the only thing that I predicted is that the Bills would win, and I nailed it. They won the game, so that's, that's good. I'd been slumping on my predictions lately, so it was good to just kind of go one for one this week. What's next for the Bills is 11 days off, which is which is good. Hopefully that means the return of Spencer Brown, the return of Star Latulale, perhaps even John Feliciano. Um, so it'll be great to get those guys back in the fray. We'll obviously learn about what's happening with Reggie Gilliam and Trey White. Fingers crossed there. But um, it's a good time for the Bills to have a mini bye week here before a home date with the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. And so you want to go show out again in a big game that will have massive implications on the race for the AFC East. And now, speaking of the AFC East, this win on Thursday puts the Bills back in first place of the division, at least temporarily. The Patriots host the Titans on Sunday, and so you know that will define who is leading the division after the weekend is over. So as far as that game goes, it would technically be better for the Bills if the Patriots win since they don't have the tiebreaker over Tennessee um, and can still take care of their own business against the Patriots. So if you can, it would be best for the Bills to root 
for New England on Sunday, as counterintuitive as that might feel. Other games that involve the AFC East, the Dolphins, they host the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. The Jets travel to Houston to play the Texans. Now, as for other games of note for the Bills and what you should be rooting for to help the Bills in their playoff seeding, uh, first of all, you want the Buccaneers to beat the Colts. That would be a good thing because the Bills do not have the tiebreaker over Indianapolis. You want the Browns to beat the Ravens. Um, the Ravens are ahead of the Bills in the standings, and so you can kind of climb the ladder a little bit there. You want the Falcons to beat the Jaguars. The reason for that is a potential boost to the strength of victory for when the Bills beat Atlanta later in the year, presumably. You want the Dolphins to beat the Panthers, another weird one to root for, but again, strength of victory there. Uh, it counts twice for Miami if they were to win. That'll help your strength of victory, and you haven't beat Carolina yet, so it's still more meaningful for the Bills if Miami wins, even if the Bills beat Carolina in a couple of weeks. Another thing is the Washington football team. You want them to beat Seattle on Monday Night Football, again, for strength of victory purposes. Now, as for this podcast, here's what's coming up. Obviously, this is your Friday podcast, a game reaction podcast. Uh, we're off on the weekend. We're back on Monday for Herd Mentality. So uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a ton of great questions over the weekend. Uh, send them in, and um, we'll pick the best ones for the Monday podcast. Tuesday is going to be an open topic, but I have something interesting that I'm working on that I think will be fun. Wednesday will be our comprehensive primer on the New England Patriots. Thursday is our crossover preview with Locked On Patriots. Friday is going to be tailgate talk, and then we're off for the weekend again. I'm out of town. I'll be in Atlanta next weekend uh, for the SEC championship game between Alabama and Georgia, and then the next day in Atlanta is Falcons and Buccaneers, so I'll be at that game as well. And then we're back on Monday for our normal Friday pod, if you will, um, to get us ready for Monday Night Football. So leftover thoughts, banged up bills, will get us ready from the injury perspective, and then, of course, my predictions for the game. So that is the schedule ahead, and if you want to see it visually, you can go to the Locked On Bills Twitter account where I have a pinned tweet that has the schedule for the next week or so so you can see You know, it's not our regular programming with the Bills playing on Thursday and then again on a Monday. And so that kind of throws off our rhythm, and so I wanted to uh, put out that tweet with the calendar so you guys can know exactly what to expect from this podcast. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Obviously, capped with a Bills win, improving to 7-4, and four, and so a very helpful win to help us get the taste out of our mouths from that Colts game. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your Victory Friday. Enjoy your weekend, and I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.